just want to have good content. We want so. killer material, not a filler <laughs> material. Exactly. You're listening to CPR. Killer, not filler. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I thought you were actually starting there. Yeah, that's the beginning. Are you ready? Come on, Josh. We're, we're doing a podcast. You're listening to CPR. My name is Rex. And I'm also Rex. And today, it's just me on the show. It's really crazy. I'm just talking back and forth with myself. Yeah, because my name's Rex. And um, just nice dialogue between myself. I couldn't get Josh to be on the podcast today, so Rex and I are just going to be discussing. Yeah, he had more important things to do. He really did. Well, Rex, anything interesting happened in your week? Not really, Rex. What about your week? (laughs) All right, that's going to get, I don't know if I'm okay with that. This bit has already gone for far too long. All right, I'm actually Josh, for those of you who are confused. Crazy, right? All right. (laughs) Well, um, so last week was my parents' anniversary. It was. So 20 plus some odd years. That's a lot of years. Um, and yeah, that is. So we were in the mountains for a day trip, you know? And we were Mm -hmm. getting kind of hungry, and my parents wanted to have kind of like a semi-nice dinner because, like, it was their anniversary, kind of special occasion. So we go around, look, we look, um, this is in uh, mountains of North Carolina. We're looking for a restaurant. Is there any restaurant to be found? In the mountains? No. No. I mean, they had, like, a grocery store. So we decided that we'd wait till we got back to South Carolina, like, two hours away. Oh, my goodness. So I was pretty hungry by this time. Starving. And we, we get to South Carolina, and the governor has even said, like, restaurants can open up and stuff. The restaurants still refuse to open up. So we get there, and, like, we're, like, going to all these places, and not one place is open. And so we go to, like, a Chinese restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, and so we're getting desperate at this point. Desperate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we even look at like the famous toastery and see if that one's open. Famous toastery has good stuff. Just their sausage is bad. Um, yeah. So famous toastery <laughs> wasn't even open. How dare they? And so we're like, you know, I I don't have like a doctorate in economics and and things, you know. But like, I think a good business model, you know, that's just me, would be to be open. Like, yeah. We couldn't pay somebody to. Uh, make us dinner if we tried like (laughs) (laughs) like if i have a sign i'm really hungry somebody open up their restaurant like no one would do it i would do it for you josh thanks rex actually rex (laughs) did so we go to a restaurant and whose smiling face do we see as the host no one's because i'm wearing a mask oh that's a good point so rex is standing there wearing a mask he doesn't even recognize us at first like he's like who are these kids uh, may I may I note that Josh was dressed like he had just come from the Australian outback. Hey. Um, <laughs> so I was kind of confused. I was like, oh, because I'd already helped a British lady earlier that day. And so you come in and I was just like, what are all these international people doing traveling to the U.S.? <laughs> so Rex hooks, up, hooks us up with a table and we finally enjoy a meal. Indeed. After like three hours of searching. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Just one more story of me saving the day. Rex is my hero. <laughs> I sure am. <laughs> um, I thought I heard like a really funny joke 
you want to hear it, Rex? I don't know that I do, but let's hear it anyway. All right, so you know, like, there are, like, all these, like, you walk into a bar, like, the skeleton walks into a bar, he's like, give me a drink and a mop type of thing. Like, uh, I mean, that that's not the joke, um, but, oh like, walks into a bar. So, like, th- this is this is funny. Um, a bad limbo player walks into a bar. Yeah. I thought that was... <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it was it was pretty funny. I thought that that is pretty funny. Anyway, like let's move on <laughs> quickly too. <laughs> that was great. All right, so this week I had something that I would like to discuss on the podcast, despite Josh's best efforts to not get me to talk about Excuse it. Excuse me, <laughs> that's like a complete lie. <laughs> it is a complete lie. Um, Josh was actually very cooperative once I held him at gunpoint. So. Um, this was a topic that I have really wanted to discuss, and Josh willingly went along with it. No guns involved, luckily. Um, but for those of you that haven't been following recent election thingies, um, as the specific term is, uh, there's a libertarian candidate who was running for the Libertarian Party of the United States nomination named Justin Amash, and he recently dropped out. Now... On Twitter, he said specifically, After much reflection, I've concluded that circumstances don't lend themselves to my success as a candidate for president this year, and therefore, I will not be a candidate. And I think that's a really interesting thing to look at. Why is it that in the past, almost always, third-party candidates don't get looked at? And why is it that the circumstances don't lend themselves to success? I think the highest vote a third-party candidate has received in the past few election cycles is like 19%, and that is ridiculously high. I think, I believe one of the Roosevelts was a third-party candidate at one point, but other than that, um, they really just don't seem to have success. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about why that is. I think it's kind of like just because of the polarization of like the ideals. Mm-hmm. So you have like the left and you have the right. And I mean, I mean, you do kind of have the Y spectrum yeah. in some political models, but there's not uh, much. Uh, there's a lot of difference between the left and the right of the spectrum. And there's not much room for like other points along that line. You kind of mm-hmm. have to be either one or the other. And even like moderates. Um, they usually are um, more leaning uh, towards one way or the other, usually mm-hmm. more towards the left, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's kind of sad because there are plenty of quotes that you can look for um, from founding fathers talking about the dangers of a two-party system. And then it seems like every time it's just the pattern we fall back into. It started off with, I believe, the Democratic Republicans and the Whigs or the, the Federalists and the Republic, Democratic Republicans, Republicans and Whigs, Whigs and Democrats and all that just <laughs> kept going and going. But it always falls back into the, the two-party thing. And I think that's kind of a, a dangerous area to be in because the people that have these views end up feeling like, oh, well, if I vote for the candidate that I really align with, it's just going to be wasted. There is um, there's a lot of that. Um, there's also, um, this is kind of interesting to think of, what if um, Amash or others running for third tried to um, run in the primary of 
like the Republican or I mean, or the Democratic um, mm-hmm. nomination. That way they'd still have their views and they present their views as maybe being different from the mainstream Republican mm-hmm. uh, viewpoint. But uh, they would still be able to get their name out there and they would maybe have more of a fair shot. Yeah, especially because Amash might have had success. As far as I'm aware, he was at least registered as a Republican until very recently. So he could have, he might have had more success almost running as a Republican, but I don't know that that would have been the case. Well, I mean, I mean, seriously, what Republican right now is going to beat out Trump in a primary? Exactly. But um, you had said something uh, a couple weeks ago about if it weren't for um, Justin Amash, uh, you probably wouldn't vote. Mm-hmm. Um, for either Biden or for Trump, um, have your views changed on that at all? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. It, it, it's a really hard place to be in. And if people want to hear more about why that is, I can discuss that maybe later. But the thing, the thing about Amash is he seems to be the best middle ground, at least for me, with the things that I believe. But I also don't know that he is the only option. There's plenty of other third-party candidates out there. I just don't know that I really see a point. Um, just from a, a moral perspective, and I, it, it's hard for people like me that struggle morally voting for the two big players to not have that opportunity to vote for a third-party candidate. Because as soon as... Amash entered the race like three or four weeks ago, I think. Maybe not even that. And he dropped out just a few days ago. His his run was so short. <laughs> yeah, it, It's kind of ridiculous because it's like two weeks. Two weeks. And he's gone. And that that has a really big impact on people like me that would rather vote for somebody like him. And so now we're stuck in this place of, do we vote for somebody that we don't agree with? Or do we just not vote at all? Um, Yeah, and that's um, that's an interesting question. And it's, you kind of have to weigh your options and you you have to think, well, um, do I go, um, do I kind of just say, well, if you won't play by my rules, then I'm not playing at all. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not like that. Or do you um, kind of just say, oh, well, we'll we're going to have to compromise here. Like, um, from my point of view, I mean, obviously, Trump is not like a role model type of guy. or um, But he has appointed, like, the pro-life justices um, to the Supreme Court and all over um, mm-hmm. the United States. And, I mean probably saved a lot um, by their rulings. Uh, I don't know the statistics on that, but saved a lot of lives of babies. And if you're, at least in my view, if you're saying, well, I'm not going to vote for either Biden or Trump, it's basically, I mean, and you don't vote at all, not for like a third party candidate. Mm -hmm. It's basically saying, well, I'm indifferent to either Biden and Trump, which I believe is saying um, I'm indifferent to whether to Biden's policies of um, open um, borders, um, to um, endless abortions, things like that, or as it compared to Trump's policy of building building the wall, keeping 
uh, the illegal Im- um, immigration down, keeping laws in general, and mm-hmm. um, keeping down abortion to as much a minimum as he can. Yeah. And, and we can talk about a lot of these different topics that you mentioned in more detail for sure. But my point is not at all that I am indifferent. I absolutely recognize that there's a lot of important things at stake. My, my point more is that I personally, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, I am tired of having to make a choice that is from what I, at least from my point of view, is a choice between the lesser of two evils. I am... I don't like having to make that choice. And that's why I'm debating whether or not I want to make it. Because if you have the choice, if somebody tells you that you can either shoot somebody yourself, if you are held at gunpoint and told to shoot somebody, or they'll shoot the person themselves, I would rather let the other person do it to know that it is not on my head. That I was not the one that pulled the trigger. Well, see, that's what you do. You take the gun from the person that says shoot him, and then you shoot that person. Wow. Never thought about that. And that's why we should all shoot the government and end the fed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that's exactly a flawless analogy there, Rex. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I, my point is I don't want to be the one pulling the trigger, and that's why I'm not sure about voting. All right, and if you have any comments, as always, email them to rexandjoshcpr at gmail.com. You remembered. Yay, or rexandjoshcpr, or at rexandjoshcpr on Instagram and Twitter. Yes, perfect. All right, so this past week, uh, Trump unveiled this new Space Force flag. So you have the Space Force emblem. Space Force. And that's pretty exciting. Rex, would you want to join the Space Force? I don't think that I would, but I am looking forward to the new office comedy Space Force um, that is being created by Steve Carell, the creator of the hit show The Office. I have not heard of this. And that's perfectly all right. But I think it'll be funny because Steve Carell's funny. Anyway, (laughs) Space Force logo. I don't know that I necessarily see the point in a space force as a separate entity from nasa but i don't know enough details so see rex you have to think into the future so let's imagine like a star trek-esque universe basically because it is the star trek logo oh boy all right (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna get into that because i could go in forever and ever about star trek but because i like it by the way rex doesn't I have taste. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no. like just looking looking into the future of uh saying, well, if like we build like spaceships that have I mean, I don't know, lack for better terms, laser cannons and you can start to like have attacks like fin- um military attacks Wait, from I thought we were talking space. about Trump, not Ronald Reagan. <laughs> what? Did you not hear about have you not heard about the Reagan uh star wars thing oh so side note in the 80s ronald reagan had some proposals for the nsp that could be the complete wrong acronym for something totally different i don't know um but he had uh some sort of program going on 
for like space-based defense and people made fun of him by calling him ronnie ray gun because he wanted like <laughs> to set up missile and laser defense systems you know like if the if we have a hostile regime somewhere yeah good old alien boys <laughs> that wants to come and conquer the world you never know the yeah. space force would come in handy with yeah. its pew 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 laser guns indeed all right. I do agree, though, that it does look like a lot like the Star Trek logo. Rex, you want to maybe post that picture later? Oh, yeah, we can. That'll, I'll link that in our show notes, which should be on Anchor and hopefully Twitter. Anchor.fm slash CPR podcast. I just got 37 notifications from the Bible app oh in two minutes. How'd that happen? You're just <laughs> so spiritual, Josh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So I wanted to. I thought. We might be able to take a break from the sciency aspects of like the theology type thing because obviously I am not like an expert in science and things. Your science and stuff degree running short? Uh, yeah, I need to go back and I don't know. Do you re- renew degrees? Is that a thing? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think it is probably... now. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it, it's just on a rental basis, so we need to go get it again. <laughs> My contract is about to expire. Um, so I thought maybe we could turn to more uh, theological type things instead of the scientific aspect. Um, Absolutely. So I wanted to ask you, Rex, what are your initial responses to this question of why is God, quote unquote, hidden? Uh, why does he not come with all these this pomp and circumstance and say, oh, I am God, bow before me. I mean, not like Oz, but you know. Yeah. Um, I think my initial response would come in two parts, and they would be very short. It would be, A, he doesn't need to, and B, or one and two, as I am holding up with my fingers. (laughs) 1A would, no, never made, that makes it more confusing. So, A, he doesn't need to, B, that kind of defeats the point. Mm Mm-hmm. And what do you mean by defeats the point? The, The point of knowing God is... Or not, I need to be very careful with what I say here because I am going to offend a lot of people and I've already probably lost our entire Calvinist audience, um, <laughs> which was, I know, huge to begin with. So, not just the point, but I think one of the many important things about a relationship with God is not because God could easily have forced us all to just be Christians at the beginning. Why didn't he just do that? Because he wants us to go on a a journey of discovery ourselves. He doesn't want to do the work for us. He wants it to be us choosing to find him in the beauty that we see without him showing himself off. Believe me, there is plenty that he could do to show how amazing he is. But he wants us to discover that for ourselves. So mm, yeah. those are my thoughts. Um, I think, uh, piggyback off of what you were saying there, think that God just really, truly uh, wants just our hearts. Like if you have a friendship um, with, I don't know, say like a four-year-old, and you say, I am awesome, <laughs> and um, 
that uh, four-year-old is that with all his four-year-old friends <laughs> gullible enough to believe you <laughs> they're gonna like you for what they think you are like or what if you say like you're president or something like that yeah they're gonna like you oh he's president and not for because they don't really know you at all and yeah. they don't know like what your heart truly is mm-hmm. and that's not really a friendship that's kind of just an admiration maybe like even some people like admire great conquerors or something like that mm-hmm But I think that God came to earth as um, a human to bring us uh, closer to him and to, um, well, uh, there's a story that one of my favorite apologists, Frank Turret, told, and I'll tell it in a short manner. There's this prince guy. He's a prince. And a guy. Yeah, and a guy at the same time. (laughs) Man, he's great at multitasking. (laughs) So he sees this um, girl. And he immediately falls in love with her because she's pretty. And mm-hmm. I guess he must be like really shallow person because he doesn't. Wow. How rude. <laughs> he just falls in love just like that. So he goes to his dad, the king, and he's like, I love this girl. How can I get her to love me? And he, the king's like, well, you need to uh, not um, go to her as the prince because she'll love you for her pow- for your power and for your money and wealth and all these things. Um, and so the prince decides to go to this girl as a peasant and to mm-hmm. win her over. And, um, I mean, you'd like to say, oh, this, does this story have an happy and ending? Um, does the prince win her over? And, um, the story kind of ends is like, well, we, uh, we don't know the ending yet. Does the prince win over the bride? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of sad when you leave it like that. And I'm going to yeah. start crying. But I just think that if uh, that God is kind of the same, he came to earth as a human to be equal with us in the flesh mm-hmm. and uh, to try to win us over like that. And so I, I just think that's one of the reasons that um, is because he, he wants our hearts and he doesn't want just that uh, admiration. He wants a true love. Definitely. All right. So um, you want to turn to some of our peer questions, Rex? I would love to hear what our peers have to say. All right. So let me pull them up real quick. And thank you to all who emailed questions in because I get to read them. So I have a question from, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this. I think it's Ron, R- Ronnie. Let me see that. Uh, Rooney. I think it's. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Roone, maybe? Roone. Maybe, maybe that's it. R-O-O-N-E. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Roone. Terribly sorry. Um, but he, he asked, uh, I hope it's a he, uh, asked <laughs> a question, is the U.S. Constitution a living document designed to fit society's current morals and views, or should it be followed according to the founder's original intention? So I guess this is basically a question of, should we view the Constitution in a postmodern sense of a sense of, oh, it's right and wrong or whatever we decide in the moment or are right and wrong uh, foundational things that have been um, in place since the beginning of time? Mm. I would have a different answer to the question that you rephrased it as than his original question. Well, let's stick with the original question for now. <laughs> to the original question, my answer is yes. Uh, it was like an either-or question. Yes, and my answer is yes. 
All right. <laughs> nice, nice, nice answer there, Rex. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it should definitely um, be followed according to the original intention of the founders. Because if you start to say, well, it's whatever we think in the moment, then you get some lunatic that thinks that it means that everybody should have everything free and pay a bunch of money in taxes, which... I mean, is not the best option, in my opinion. I just think that if you follow according to what they set up in place, then you'll have a pretty good system going forward. I both agree and disagree with your point. Um, Well, thanks, Rex. Just like I said, yes uh, is my answer, because I absolutely think that there were good intentions behind the document. Um, There are also changes that need to be made. Not necessarily right now, but... Things may happen in the future where we may need to change it. Um, That's what an amendment is for. Yes, exactly. There were things like the three-fifths clause, which are awful and treated (laughs) people like less than human. And I think that's terrible. That's why we have amendments. So in that way, it is a living document. It's changing, but it is not being rewritten. I think the difference in rewriting the document and rewriting morality is that morality is something that does not change, whereas certain circumstances that may be brought up and discussed in the Constitution may change. That's a fair point. All right, so we have a question from Carter. Oh, boy. So he says, for my question, what do you all think about the government poisoning snow? Is it still safe to eat? Because I heard it causes the brain slowing down of the gullible. Ah, the gullible. Mm. You we know, know them well, Josh. Do we know? <laughs> yes, we know all gullible people. I think that the government poisoning snow is a great idea. Yes, because, let's have them do that. Mm-hmm, because everyone knows the earth is overpopulated, and um, <laughs> the poisoning of snow is just a way to manage that. Josh, that's what the coronavirus is for. <laughs> oh, And he also asks, and how about the fact that the moon is fake and actually a hologram because the government stole it? Thanks for answering these. What do you think about the moon, Rex? This is just blowing my mind. I thought it was cheese all this time. I don't know that we have hologram technology like that. So I think it's probably just like a a picture that they have in the sky or something. Yeah, probably. Something like that. Because a 3D hologram of the moon would be pretty sick, though. Mm hmm. Oh, too much effort for the government. I want one of those me. in my room, actually. That'd be really cool. <laughs> That'd be pretty big. All right. a scale model. <laughs> scale model of the moon. All right. So we have a, another question from Brianna in Virginia. And she says, hey, guys, y'all did a great job last week. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. We know we did. Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, at least Rex does. Uh, However, I'm curious to know further the beliefs Rex holds as an anarcho-capitalist. That's Mm. a million-dollar word right there. That is a big word. How does this compare to other forms of capitalism, and how does it compare to other groups that do not care for the government? Got it. There is a whole lot that goes into my, my thoughts on this. Um, and I could, I could talk for a very long time about what I think, but I think I'm going to shorten things and say, basically my beliefs, my beliefs as an anarcho-capitalist 
A, faith always comes before politics. That is the most important thing. So my my anarcho-capitalism is at least hopefully, from what I've seen, informed by my faith. But my views are always changing based on what I read in the Bible and what that helps me understand about the world around me. So this could change in, it could change today. I could change my opinion on something. Um, Rex becomes a socialist. <laughs> uh, that would be a pretty dramatic change. But from how I see it, anarcho-capitalism is an ideal. It is like communism in the way that communism is also an ideal, just a different kind of ideal. So, so Rex, are you telling us you're a communist right I now? I am not saying that. And oh that's goodness. where I was trying to avoid some trickiness. But basically, the idea of anarcho-capitalism, I think, is really great. It's also really not that realistic and not super practical, at least with where the world is at right now, it's probably not going to happen in my lifetime. It essentially represents a world where the free market is completely free, unrestricted. People go about their business and everything is provided by the market. There's no public services or anything like that. Everything is controlled by property owners. People that own property control their property and exchange that property for other things. And that's just kind of how society works. Considering that pretty much everybody, or not pretty much everybody, but a whole lot of people on the planet, the majority I would say, are in favor of some kind of government, there's a whole lot to do with human morality that would make that a really difficult change and probably not practical. It's not a, a likely outcome, especially not anytime soon. So here's kind of the devil's advocate um, um, counter argument to that. So if it's not practical, then why believe in it? That's a, a very interesting question. There's a whole lot of things, I think. It's kind of like saying, well, not everybody is a nice person, so why aren't we all just mean? It's essentially we strive for the ideal so that we do not stray further from that ideal. Because if we don't have something to strive for, it's like, oh, well, this may as well be fine. Let's just go with that because it's, it's easier. And sometimes the ideal isn't always an easier place to get to because not everybody wants to be there. So mm -hmm. that's a good point right there. Um, all right. So she says, my second question is, what role would you say God's law has in crafting and voting on laws? And how does this differ from theocracy? And I mean, this is kind of related to what you're saying. So in my opinion, I don't think uh, that a theocracy is such a bad idea. Um, it has never really worked in the past because people are innately power hungry mm -hmm. and they um, stop glorifying God and they want to glorify their position and themselves. And so kind of like what you said, it's not very practical, um, unfortunately. And I think that people get caught up in the dogma of religion and instead mm -hmm. of glorifying God. Yeah. But I think that um, our beliefs should definitely influence how we vote or how, if we were legislators, how we would draft bills or mm -hmm. vote on them. Um, absolutely. I don't think we should do anything contrary to our religious beliefs. Yeah. And I, I think this is where I would add um, a theocracy is the biblical supported ideal. That's what God has set up. He set himself up originally to be the head, 
and we follow him. The anarcho-capitalist ideal is the ideal for living, at least from my view, is the ideal for living in a world where not everybody follows the same God. And so that's kind of where the clash starts to begin. Because obviously, if everybody followed God, then let's just do that. Yeah. But since we are not in a perfect world, we have to, I, I think there's a, a different alignment. And I am not at all saying that I am supporting not following God just because <laughs> Correct. How it's could you say easy that? to, uh, just because it makes things easier. Because obviously we don't want to just take the easy route. What I am saying is we're not going to be able to convince everybody to follow God. And so what can we do? What can we strive for that we can agree on people to strive for a better ideal without necessarily have to, having to change everything they believe in overnight? Mm -hmm. And all right, we had a, a question from Jeannie in Oklahoma. We have a very wide listening audience, Rex. Puerto Rico, Oklahoma, and the Carolinas. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she asks if people evolved from monkeys why are there still monkeys and why didn't they all become people i'm i think that's a pretty good um, argument against evolution and you can add that to all the arguments that we said in our last two podcasts yeah i agree if evolution were true i think that rex and i would probably be somewhere in that transition stage from a monkey to a human yeah definitely <laughs> we're the missing links that they've been looking for all along <laughs> All right. You have one more question. I do. It's from uh, Saquon, and I don't know where he is from. South uh, Carolina. Okay. Woo, Saquon. Saquon says, well, my question is, with the quarantine having a chance to be extended, do you think the government should investigate more alternative ways to learning? If so, which ones and how should they enforce those? And should it be up to the state or the national government to decide the shifts in education and how to go about them? See, I think... Um, that's a very interesting question, Saquon. Um, I think that it should almost be neither. It should be up to the people to decide how they what? want to learn. I know this is kind of a novel idea here. A revolutionary concept. But if, you, if I had to pick either the national or the state, it would definitely be the state government. Mm -hmm. But I think that I don't know if alternative ways to learning are necessarily necessary because... The CDC recently said, um, Rex, I don't know if you heard this. I that, did not. Uh, the coronavirus cannot be transmitted uh, through objects. It does not have like any life on. So like all that wiping down of menus that you have to do at work, that's like completely mm. unnecessary. <laughs> uh, Rex is fuming over here. Um, that's what the CDC said recently. Really? Yeah. So I don't know that the alternative methods to learning are even necessary. Rex, what do you think? I totally agree. Now, if we are going down the alternatives to learning route, I would say uh, abolish public education. Make it just private and homeschooling because that would be a better alternative. But we can discuss that more in a later episode. Yeah, that sounds like it's um, a huge topic right there. <laughs> it is a very big topic. Yeah, I definitely think that it should not be the government investigating more alternative learning methods, but it should be people with children that need to be educated or people that want themselves to be educated investigating and learning themselves 
because I've taught myself a whole lot. In fact, the career that I am going into is stuff that I have mostly taught myself. Editing this podcast, which I do every week, is something that I've taught myself through numerous sources and ways of learning. And so I think it's really important for people to learn how to educate themselves and not necessarily rely on the government to do that for them. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, as always, if you have a question, submit it to rexandjoshcpr at gmail.com or at rexandjoshcpr on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Shout out to Saquon because he was the first question that we received through a form of social media. Woo, Saquon. All right. So don't be scared to ask questions. I mean, obviously, we had a question about the moon. Does it exist? So ask any question. Yeah, uh, any question um, within reason and keep it family friendly. But other than that, knock yourself out. Not us, though. Yeah, don't knock us out. We want to stay conscious for the whole thing because that's kind of important. All right. <laughs> I guess that's All about right. it then. It sure is. All right. I have been Rex. And, well, I mean, I was Rex at start, but then I switched to Josh midway through. Are you so, going to be Rex again or are you going to be Josh? Um, I'm Rex Josh. Oh, boy. And I am just Rex. And we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> see ya. See ya.